1: Bulls playing better basketball, Zach Levine put up 50, they lost to Atlanta, that sucked. Welcome to the Windy City Podcast. Brian Beetle, Coach A, coming on up here as the Bulls in the middle of a very challenging stretch, a lot of games, back-to-back starts tonight as they'll play basically every single day this week. Zach Levine was flat-out awesome against Atlanta, stating the obvious, but just tough shots, right? It wasn't wide open action if you watch the game. I mean, he's hitting step backs, two guys on him, hand in the face, bang. Very, very impressive. The Bulls, of course, got nothing from anyone outside of Vooch who put up 25, Uh, but the defense was atrocious, which I just don't get it. Defense at the end of the day, is about effort. Yes, there are elite defensive skill sets, but do you want to play D or do you not? Right? Anytime you play pickup hoop, this guy can't guard. It's because he doesn't try, doesn't want to do it, just wants to score. Y'all can be better than what you're showing, at least at times. I'm not saying the Bulls should be an elite defensive team but better than they've shown and uh, some really interesting points coming up here on uh, how Billy Donovan needs to be better as well. Coach A is going to really underline that. And at the back end of this podcast, we go into memorable Bulls games that you ever attended. Uh, Speaking of the memorable Bulls night of Zach Levine, putting up 39 in the first half, 50 total. Memorable night, career high for Zach, for sure. Uh, But I've went into a deep, dark dive of my most memorable Bulls game that it, I had a lot to choose from. I've been very fortunate in going to Bulls basketball games, but I think I came up with a good one, so stick around for that, and uh, yeah, this is a fun one. Bulls and Atlanta. Bulls have won three of four. Let's see if they can have a big week. The Windy City Podcast starts right now. Showtime. Levine late in the clock. Tough oh. shot, and he got it to go. Sometimes I dream. He, he is me. Does anybody get the reference back in business on Blue Star?
0: Oh, yeah, that's uh, from Wall Street. Thank you very much.
1: That yeah. makes me feel better. You know what happened this morning as I was driving in to do the podcast? By the way, we are starting the podcast right now. i got to have this on tape. I was listening to Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. I hate myself for loving you. And I was turning that into your text, David Adelman, Coach A, and more specifically you, Beto, because you, I think, have the biggest diehard Bulls love of anyone I know right now. I mean, you have stuck through more of the negative than anyone and and stayed positive than anyone I know. Like you, even when they were off, you're like, no, no, this is all part of the plan. So... I was just singing through. You made me watch the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night. I wanted four wins in a row. Zach Levine put up thirty nine. That's what I was doing with my morning, and I and then it went sideways, and they lost, and that was the end of the song. They've been playing better, right? Can can I get a little uh, hell's yes? They're playing better, or is it just
2: because they're bidding? Yeah.
1: Right? Come on, a little, on. little better. Thank you. Beatle, sing, sing their praises for a second.
2: I mean, I think that's just what this team is. Like, I, They're a team that's like when they're going to lose a bunch, everyone's going to be like, oh, they stink. They're never going to win again. And then they're going to rattle off a few in a row, and everyone's like, hey, this team's not so bad. And then they're going to break your heart like they did in the second half on Friday.
1: Coach A, what happened in the second half outside of guys not well, making well, shots?
0: Well, for, well, first off, let's let's just say – one of your favorite things about any coach is when they get angry, and and I was angry. And then I come down <laughs> the basement this morning, and I'm angry again at my son. Uh-oh. There's a, a a used Kleenex, a frosty half-filled from Wendy's from Thursday, three packages of Ritz Bits crackers sitting around. So, that's, that's how I felt on Friday night. Angry, <laughs> angry at everybody.
1: How, that is a great son right there. How old is he?
2: He's seventh grade. He knows better.
1: Yeah. But you those, polish off that
2: Frosty? But those are, a, that's but probably those, not good. Those
1: are great choices, a Frosty and Ritz-Bitz crackers. I mean, going old school. and I mean, I love every yeah. bit of that.
0: Well, you know, it's his last day of remote learning, or last week. So they are five full days of remote learning starting on Monday. So I won't have to deal with this anymore. But still. I was pretty upset.
1: What is the consequence at the uh, Coach A home for such an activity? He has to watch the second half of the Bulls game.
2: That's the punishment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have have not gotten there yet. I take him for baseball training. Let's just put it this way. The the baseball trainer uh, needs to work him pretty hard.
1: That's turning a negative into a positive. By the way, before we uh, give – Our full Bulls uh, extravaganza here. How did the Lakers go in last night, as we're recording on Sunday morning, and beat the Nets by 25 without LeBron James, without Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant
2: played, Kyrie Irving played, 25 they didn't show. They didn't even show up. They even Steve. They interviewed Steve Nash mid-game, and he was like, "We just didn't come out with energy."
3: How is that possible? They just didn't
2: show up. How's that possible? And then uh, any sort of remnants of them potentially trying to come back was stripped away when one of the r- officials ejected both Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder for trash talking, and then. They basically really just gave up at that point.
0: I think you can relate that to the Bulls a little bit. When you don't play defense, you are possible to get beat by anybody and, and, and beat in ways that are, are really, you know, kind of revolting to watch. That's what the Bulls were defensively. It, it was so bad that Atlanta could run pretty much the same play for an entire game and destroy the balls. I mean... That can't happen. That has to change. So whose fault is that? So that, that's why I was angry all around. And Will Purdue, I thought, was good because I think they, they didn't want to go after Billy on this day. But there's no doubt that they left that open as to where's the adjustment here. Kendall Gill said one team made an adjustment, another team didn't. Will produce that. Hey, Phil talked about Phil Jackson and how he would get mad at the team and say, "I hate to double, but you've put me in this position, so I guess now we're going to go double." And we just didn't see that from from the from the Bulls. While Nate McMillan did do that, look the beginning of the second half. That's why I was more upset with the players initially, and they're more responsible. The beginning of the second half when they Atlanta ran that ridiculous defense of just sending two guys at Zach Levine in a half court, you couldn't get more open shots and easier plays in an NBA basketball game. Zach was giving up the ball to these guys. And so, you know, I know I sent a, a text about who was I most angry at. I'd probably tell you Sato and Thad Young. They were horrible. And those two have played pretty well this year. And I just don't understand how they could play that terrible in that game. And uh, I thought they they got them off to a terrible start in that third quarter because they couldn't make a shot. But at the end of the day, the Hawks took a chance, and it worked. And then LeVee went out of the game. They came back because we couldn't guard Trey Young, and uh, our offense stunk without Zach. Then the fourth quarter, we got off to a great start because Kobe White finally did what Sato and Thad Young should have done in the first in the third quarter, and uh, and then McMillan changed up again, and and we just didn't see Billy try anything different. So I will let Beto comment on what he saw.
2: But that's, Yeah, that's what I would I just kind of continue the chapter there. So I think you you hit it on the head. And then when Kobe started making those shots, maybe that was not the problem. But at this point, when they take, took, what, like a 7-8 point lead after they'd given it all up and you had to feel pretty good about them again, they leave him out there for way too long, in my opinion. Because, again, let me preface this by saying stopping Trey Young is not an easy task for anyone in the league. But all they did was run that pick and roll and find whoever Kobe and Lowry were on, and they just exploited it every trip down the court. And to your point, they made zero adjustments on that. And to use a Stacey Kingism, it was free cheese the entire fourth quarter because of that. Every single time down the stretch, it was like, okay, let's go and get Trey Young in a two-man game, and let's go against Kobe and Lowry and. The Bulls just rode that lineup down the end. And I, I love, you know, Billy Donovan, what he's done, but he even talked about finding the fine line between trying to win games and also developing, and that was more, in my opinion, one of those developing type of lineups. And it it, it didn't it, – it, I mean, the game it wasn't even, like, close. It, they got they almost got blown out at the end of the game just because they couldn't make any adjustments, and the defense was so bad in the last six to eight minutes.
1: I just think what's disappointing is uh, on a more macro scale. It's like, okay, you guys just had this really tough road trip, but you played Utah tough, you played Phoenix tough, you were for the most part, at least, you made it credible in the Golden State game coming back. San Antonio was ugly uh, for the most part the whole way, although they did have like a, a remnants of something in the second half. But here you are on a you know a three game winning streak. You're you're playing. You know this is this is a, in essence. Uh, weirdly to say, but like, you know, at, Atlanta is, is, uh, you know, there are f- five seed, six seed, seven seed. It's a playoff game, man. This is a big game. You're getting an enormous night from Zach Levine and you lose after, you know, in just dispirited fashion. Like, come, I, I just don't, I if you have like any bit of quote unquote, and maybe this is too old school, of a of a war, but like, where's the dog in this team? And even like a drop of it, man, like you, you, this is, this is a big game as big of a game as you're going to have in the regular season. You all are the 10 seed. You, you need wins. You need a bunch of them. You have a very, and and you can't, I guess, look out, but you have a very tough schedule, not in necessarily who you're playing, but game after game, after game, they're playing a back-to-back starting tonight, three out of four, like where is the grit? Mm -hmm. And I, I, this is a left turn too. I should. If you want to just respond to that? Feel free. But like I, the other side is that you know I, I'm listening to uh, my favorite podcast outside of the Windy City podcast right now, which is All the Smoke, and 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 Chris Weber's on. It's a phenomenal. Listen, and you know what Weber's is talking about. He's like, you know, I hope we can get the league back to you know what it was, and not just watch guys shoot corner threes. So I like, like part of what you're talking about here, Coach A and 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 like. Like there, there seems to be just a give up in the league, all across. Like eighteen percent of the teams that, well, you know, they're just going to move the ball around and then shoot a three, and there's absolutely nothing we can do. And that this is just NBA basketball right now, and you got to outscore them. There, there's like the the orientation that you can actually get stops and win is almost completely foreign to the league. At least that's what it feels like to me.
0: Well, I agree. Uh, if I can answer that. Because I agree on analytics drives some of the way teams are defending. And so you you look at that game. Atlanta didn't shoot a lot of threes. And Trey Young in the first half, I think, was 0 for 4 from 3. And then the second half, he was 1 for 2. He had that one kind of long, bomb three-point shot. And it's almost like, all right, we'll, we'll let Trey Young shoot. 30 consecutive four-foot floaters right? because we don't want to give up a three because of analytics. And and Atlanta kind of said, all right, well, Zach Levine was seven for nine from three in the first half, so we're not going to let him shoot the three. So we're going to adjust to what they're doing well and stop it. Where the Bulls said, well, our system tells us to give up this shot more and we won't adjust to it. And I think that's what you're seeing, Mark, in the, in the game, is that there's a predetermined way they're going to play defense based on analytics sometimes that, that is driving me crazy.
2: Yeah, I don't think you're going to see much of a shift from that in the regular season until they move the three-point line back. Yeah, that's a, you know, another discussion. I know we've talked about it briefly. I think in the playoffs you see a little bit more of that attention to detail. But I would take it a step further, too, is they don't want to leave the guy to coach's point, but the teams still need to do a better job of personnel recognition because there was a couple of times in that fourth quarter where you saw that the Bulls were unwilling to leave a three-point shooter, but the guy they were unwilling to leave isn't a good three-point shooter. So they just need to do a better job of recognizing, like, okay, who can we not leave alone in the corner three? Who can we not leave alone, you know, for a wide open catch and shoot? And they just the defenders they have on the roster just aren't good at that, you know. Quite simple in my in my opinion. So I but, there's but you a know lot you that say that
0: and Atlanta had no problem leaving Kobe White and Lowry marketing wide open from three, and those guys are good shooters. You know, sometimes you got to take away what the team, other team is doing well, and that's that's Nate McMillan. You know, he's not he's not from this new school way of coaching, and he made an adjustment based on I think. Look, I, I'm going to take chances because we haven't been able to stop Zach Levine with the defense we came in with, so we'll do something different. Let, let me. And uh, I would like to see that happen more.
1: Let me take a slight right turn again here. Uh, so, we do we all first of all? Um, okay, now let me take a left turn back to where you guys were at. Does Art? Does Ryan Archie Diaco need to play more? Is that the deal here? We need a, a defender at the one, at least somebody who's going to give massive effort. We should be giving away minutes from Sato, who tries but. Sometimes and, and it's not like Arch is this premier defender, but should we be should we be giving some of Kobe White's minutes to Arch? I hate even saying that, but maybe it's maybe they should. I don't know. <laughs> so I have dead, to
3: think about dead, that. Dead, you know you're speechless. You dead know, you're silence. Speechless at, I mean,
0: I'm angry, so you're just gonna get oh, you're only get angry answers out of me.
2: I I, I don't know I mean maybe if the situation dictates it I mean to coach's point like you got to adjust and if something's not working and no, that specific game then you got to change it up yeah I thought
0: the Bulls could have done three things I would have liked to see them try three things first I would have liked to see them put Archie Diakon out there and see if he would change the narrative for Trey Young because the other thing that I think he could do is pick Trey Young up further up the court and that way give your defense maybe a little more time to recover uh after he beats him I was watching Kobe White keep backing up backing up backing up and I'm like you're just backing yourself into the screen (laughs) it's crazy and then the second adjustment I think they could have tried Force Trey Young to be a three-point shooter. Make him go Make him go seven for 15. See if he'll do that. We've seen Trey Young have shooting games where he'll shoot three for 15. He was one for six. Force him to make those three-point shots and stop just lobbing to Capella, who was 10 for 12. Which I got annoyed with Adam Amin saying Vucevic and Capella were similar players. How the heck were Capella and Vucevic, similar players. Like I said, I was mad at everything watching this game because I like them. And then the third thing they could have done is just done what the Hawks did and say, all right, we're just going to double them. And the one area that I thought the double could work, it's not like Capella or the rookie, which I can't pronounce his name, are like Thaddeus Young. So if you take the ball out of, out of Trey Young's hands, you force those guys to be
2: ball hammers. Yep. So exactly. I there were
0: three and, and they were
2: missing three of their best tried. players, right? Collins, Reddish, or at least three of the rotational players, and Hunter. Right. So you're right. There, there was a lot, lot of secondary Levine. options, that guys that weren't great.
0: Right. And that and that, see, Hunter would have been the guy guarding Levine, right? So yep. Atlanta's game plan was built on having a guy like Hunter to defend Levine. Levine comes out like crazy, and they don't have someone who can guard him they got Kevin Herter and Tony Snell who, who don't have the same ability as like Hunter does and that's why they made that adjustment
1: Hawks have to their to the Bulls slight whatever Atlanta's been playing better basketball they've got some decent wins lately and I, at the beginning of the season like everybody was high on the Hawks and then they then they went completely south and then I guess credit to Nate McMillan I mean look they had a Seven game, eight game win streak where they were, you know, getting decent wins, and then now they're now they've won. uh, What is it? Five of their last six. I mean, they're not being anybody great, but they're being they're beating the Spurs in games where the Bulls are getting killed. All right, here here's where I want to go. How would you guys feel about a 35 year old point guard coming to the Bulls next year as an unrestricted free agent, who made 30 million dollars this year? Because I got yelled at by one of our Find a Windy City podcast listeners. How do you not name this particular person when you're talking about point guards that can make the Bulls look good next year? And he does. He's old, but he could make sense. Any idea who I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, you're talking about Chris Paul. Paul.
1: No, I'm going Kyle Lowry. I'm not, oh, I'm, Kyle Lowry. Okay. Anybody?
0: Vito, what's, the, what's the contract? Though? He's a free agent. I know, but are you signing for three?
1: Yeah, three years? I I mean you're gonna have to. It ain't gonna be a one year deal, and I don't know if he wants to come here. And it's probably not gonna be cheap. So is it? Would you give him three and sixty? Is that too crazy?
0: That'd be tough. That would be a tough decision. <laughs> you know, let's see what he looks like towards the end of this year. The one negative is they probably don't make the playoffs, and if they don't make the playoffs, you don't you don't really get to see what his impact is.
2: Hmm. I think the other thing too is, I mean, you'd have to look at, all right, what does it prevent them from doing? Right. Like else, like I do they'll have to renounce FAD, which, you know, obviously if you feel you can improve the team, you, you have to do, does it prevent them from, it's probably not preventing them from locking up Zach in a year or Booch in two, if they decide they want to do that, but it takes them out of any other acquisitions on the free agent side of things. Everything would have to be traded. So, you have to yeah. you have to look at that, but I don't know, like it's just it's not like terrible. I wouldn't like yell at you like I normally do. <laughs> well, uh,
0: I w- I w- I would say you don't. I don't want to be better next year to not have a championship to win in two or three years.
1: So that right, and that that is the biggest quandary they're in right now, and what they did with Vooch making that deal, and I, I think. I mean, I'm getting a lot of texts from Bulls fans. This is the best trade they've ever made. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I, it pains me to give Jerry Krause credit, but moving up to get Pippen was a better deal than trading for Vooch, Just for the record, I'd almost argue that trading Brad Sellers for the 18th pick and getting B.J. Armstrong might be in the in the conversation. But regardless, uh, v- like you're just you're you're edging yourself better for when something falls your way that you can pounce on it and become the Miami Heat. I think, you know, Beto, you had yep. that take, and I think that's exactly right. Is that's that's what they're doing. So yep. Kyle Lowry does make them better. It 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 would limit their flexibility. They'd have to be creative salary cap superstars when something emerges, but you also look look, Tice's a free agent, market is probably out the door, right? You can make a deal with Kobe White if he doesn't fit here, which I think is becoming, and I'm, I feel actually sad to say that, but we're getting down that to that point. Like he, it's not only that he's not just a starter. There, I don't think Billy Donovan wants to put him in the game. I think he has, yep. I think he has no confidence in this guy, and that's that's a that's a that's disappointing, right? So they they can get creative in a lot of ways here. But I, I don't I you know, look there and the the reality is right now they look like they're gonna be in the lottery this year. Maybe this year they'll get they'll pull off a miracle. If people don't know the way it works with the play in game, the seven versus the eight seed, they'll play each other. Whoever wins that game is in the playoffs. The nine versus the ten, which is where the bulls at right now, they'll play each other. And if you win, if the bulls win, then they'll get a chance to play whoever wins the number 7 versus number 8 game, and they'll have to win that one, too, to get in. So if they lose versus the 9, which is at least a 50-50 shot, or if they lose versus whoever wins the 7 or 8, now we're at, I think, like a 25% likelihood that they get in, 75% that they don't, they're in the lottery. So maybe a miracle will happen, right, right? You guys, do you, does anybody see the Bulls getting hot here and, and getting to – Seven, eight, and having two shots to get in—I, it's—it's getting harder and harder to see.
2: Yeah, because don't they have to like leap? Some of the teams right around that seven and eight aren't they like Miami, Boston teams that have a little bit better of a track record? I mean, as we
1: sit, then, right, as we sit right now, the Knicks are the eight. So you could you could make an argument that mm-hmm. you know you could catch New York, but and, but you also have Indiana in front of you too. They both have two less losses than the Bulls. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I... The next the next the next
0: week and a half will tell us. I think I think the Bulls' schedule over the next like uh, eight or nine games. There's a lot of winnable games. They play a bunch of home games. They play Charlotte, I think, twice. They they have some.
1: It's just a tough they schedule. Though they that can win.
0: They, but they, then the schedule gets really tough. I think they finish the season with a lot of games with like Brooklyn, Philadelphia. I think they have a tough I think they have a tough schedule in their last like ten to twelve games where it'll be I think it'll be hard for them to be better than five hundred in the last twelve games of the year. So if they don't make to your point, if they don't make a run in these next eight games and go like six and two, I think you're right, it'd probably be pretty tough to get a seven or eight seed. That's
1: true though. If they do somehow get hot right now, but look I just I got I'm optim I got optimistic on the schedule, but I wasn't looking at the dates as much. Like this team is just not built to play night after night after night. They're not I I just don't see it. Like this week's a really tough week. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Monday. I mean, come on. This is what is this? The uh nineteen ninety nine lockout year here at NBA? This I mean, you're you're putting guys in bad positions right now. Three out of four, four out of six, five out of seven, that's a lot. Um and and yeah. A
2: lot of opportunities for us to be angry at about 10 p.m. every night. Yeah. Great.
1: Minnesota today, tonight, at Memphis, playoff team in the West. Orlando stinks. But then again, you got Memphis again. Cleveland, Boston, Cleveland. I, you got Miami back-to-back in Miami. You play at New York. You got Milwaukee again. You got Milwaukee twice. Maybe they won't need the last game of the year. I don't know. You got You got Brooklyn on the schedule
0: so admittedly uh, you know I want I want to address my my anger a little bit that admittedly I've been a Zach Levine guy for since the Bulls traded for him and I've been fighting people on him being a talented player and that just wait and put some good players around him and we're gonna like what we got with him and last night was just a game you never should lose or, or Friday night. It. That's a, no- a game you should never lose when a player plays like that. That that was historic. Let's let's at least take a minute to honor like how incredible of a game Zach Levine was playing. Could you imagine if the Bulls screwed up a game like that for Michael Jordan?
1: Oh, they did it all the
0: time, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Jordan would come back after the game, like late, and and win it like if he came out and scored 39 points in the first half when did they lose a game like that especially once they got really good i mean you're right in the i guess in the you know mid 80s or games like that
1: yeah i mean i'm I'm, going 86 87 88 just decrepit bulls teams and Mike averaging 37 a night or 35 a night. And he averaged 37 a night and they finished 40 and 42 because Krause's roster was Earl Curitan and Charles Oakley at the power forwards with Granville waiters. <laughs> you as the so center.
2: badly way wanted ways to get in some of those mid 80s. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just an unbelievable. You know, that's a good point though, Mark. Yeah. It's really good. Actually. Uh, yeah. With 39 and a half. 39 and a half. That's incredible, you know, and you don't find you a way to, I, to win. Um, Mark, you're unconscious now to like,
0: Zach Levine's at fault because they don't win. I'm not – hold on. Hold on. You know, you're answering those critics that are ridiculous who say, well, they didn't win, so Zach Levine doesn't guard someone. And,
2: uh, you, you know, it's ridiculous. Well, It's well, such a lazy narrative. Such a lazy narrative to – like – you know, he doesn't care about winning and it's been going on for forever. He doesn't play D and it's like, okay, you've watched like five games and just see that he scores and the Bulls lose. So you make that conclusion. You see, like, I get players are supposed to feel like this after, but you saw him, he was dejected after the end of that game. And he has been throughout the, the course of his, his career, just with how the team's been playing and, the dude wants to win. I know everyone should want to win, but it's quite clear that that's what matters to him. That's why I think it's such a lazy narrative when people say the opposite.
1: Well, and I'll promote all the Smoke podcast again for the second time today, the only podcast I listened to other than to Wendy. They, they, uh, they had Zach on, and if you haven't listened to it, have you guys listened to it? He No. It, it is, it, you will, there is no way that you come out of that 45 plus minute interview not liking the guy even more, even if you already like him. He he is you just have to appreciate his work ethic and where he came from. His dad was an NFL player with the Seahawks. His uh when he when, when Zach Levine was in fourth grade, he's in class, and they're asking everybody in class, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? And Levine says, you know, I want to be an NBA basketball player. And the teacher says to him, well, don't you think you should pick something more realistic? The dad comes back with Zach Levine to the school. Don't ever tell my kid that he can't do something, (laughs) which which I just I mean, I couldn't love anything more than that. But that his dad was a total, you know, he, he was not friendly to the kid. I think he moved in with his grandparents at one point because it got so rough, and his dad, like, made him journal every day how many shots he got up. He'd have him like, they'd ride in the car after games, and his dad would interview him, basically preparing him for, like, media interviews. He has been groomed for this for, you know, by, for a long, long time, and he just he worked and worked and worked, and they built that campus out there that we've all seen where he's got uh, – his dad working him with sand and grass and basketball hoops and harnesses and everything he does to be as good as he possibly can. You you just got to gotta respect this guy. And he's unquestionably their best player, and that includes Vooch, which is kind of interesting, by the way. Like, who should the offense run through? Maybe it should run through Vooch. I'm not exactly sure. I'd love to get your guys' take on that. But I'm also wondering, is this team at its best right now with Zach running the point? I don't, I think that's, I think that's a legit possibility. Like no, 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 Michael Jordan comparisons here, but they, you know, they moved Mike to the point at one point and, and the team took off. Maybe you do that right now. Cause with the play that they're getting there, I don't know. Let's throw those two on the table.
2: Yeah.
1: What's, what's, yeah.
2: No, I was just, I, this is, I, I'm curious your thoughts on that. I was actually just going to, I know we've been talking about podcasts. I don't know if you two heard the the Kevin Durant one the last couple days where I I can't remember how it came up, but they got on topic of the Bulls. And Durant was just, this is a terrible pun, but bullish on this team's outcome or on this team's future and talked at length about Vooch and Levine and how if you have those two dudes, you're going to be able to figure something out and be a contender in the East. Like, I mean, he was flattering this team and the direction they were going. So I, it's the, the rest of the league is certainly taking notice. Um, but it's a curious call out. I'm curious, you know, if folks uh, have got to say, I know the Suns have tried this with Devin Booker at times. I know James Harden's been a primary ball, ball handler. So I'm, I'm curious what you all think. So first,
0: Carm, you just gave me my punishment for Sam. He'll be journaling all day, all week. <laughs> you know, he got. I'll be. That's, that's his punishment. Uh, but I would say no. The beginning of the game, part of why Zach Levine was so good, was he was coming off screens. He was actually yeah. playing off the ball. The beginning of his getting off was playing off the ball. And then he just got so hot that it was like, okay, give him a ball and (laughs) let him score. And so the last, you know, 15 to 18 points of that 39 was him just being the primary ball handler. And then it kind of leaked into that way at the beginning of the second half. And probably two things I think Billy Donovan – offensively would have adjusted when he when he watches the tape. And I don't hold him accountable for these adjustments during the game. The offensive problems was the players. That was not Billy Donovan's. Billy Donovan's issue was the defensive end. But offensively, two things he may have adjusted was, one, giving the ball back to Sato so that Zach Levine wasn't getting double teamed up halfway up the court. The second thing I think he probably would have done is put Thad Young up there so they would have dumped it off to Thad Young instead of Vucevic because Thad Young has been so good in that position. So those have been the two things I think he may have done. But I think I remember Jim Boylan talking about Zach Levine and how he didn't want him to shoot threes he, and, uh, he and, never and,
1: he never said that there's no
0: way he yeah, said that. there's, there's yeah, no there's no way he said, he said that He said he'd like to see him shoot like two or three threes a game because he he wanted him to go to the basketball he He wanted him to stop settling for kinds of for jump shots. and I personally said, this guy is such a great shooter. I wish he played a little more like Clay Thompson, where he would use his incredible shooting to set up the rest of his game because too often he would catch the ball and just try to play one on one. And you know, and then end up with those bad shots. So the area that I think Zach has really improved is he doesn't do that as much. He does like coming off screens. You saw the beginning of the second half, remember his first basket beginning the second half, backdoor cut for a layup. And he's really improved that part of the game. So I think if you really want Zach Levine to ascend into a consistent, dominant player, that playing off the ball is big. And the goal is to get a point guard. (laughs) You know, and that's why I said I was most upset with Sato. Because Sato plays just anywhere close to the way he's been playing, the Bulls win that game.
1: My favorite thing about Sato is his legs, for the record. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for the record.
1: <laughs> he's, just, he's just this, like, like they're going, like, the left leg goes weirdly this way, the right leg's going the other way, and he just looks like this, like, spider running around out there. and I'm like, this is the guy that we're relying on, Sato. And then all of a sudden, he starts playing well.
2: Uh, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance type of legs?
1: Uh, yes, sure. I have no idea who that is, but I'm going to just acknowledge that that makes sense. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look it up after. I'm trying to help you out here. Uh, no, I, you, I appreciate it.
0: realize Sato was 0 for 6, not being guarded.
1: Yeah, and he had 10 assists, yeah. baby. He was amazing, though, uh, moving the ball around. I Listen, I can't. I cannot do Sato. I'm sorry, I can't. And I and I'm and I'm now I'm getting to the point where I can't do Kobe White, and I certainly can't do Ryan Archie Diacono, Even though I'm calling for him to play, we need a, we need a, we need a point guard. Period. End yeah. of story. Like this. That is, that's it. Well,
2: and we well, am gonna I, derail this because I'm well, along these lines. But Coach sent out that text last night. He's like, Hey, like what '90s role player should we like? Would you like having on this team? And this is not going to make them a championship team and I don't even know if this is cheating because he wasn't technically a role player because he was a starter, but my first thought was actually Ron Harper because he could defend, he's very intelligent, a good distributor, always made the right plays, and I even think having someone like that at the point would help this team tremendously in the short term. Does it make it a contender for a title? No, but I just thought that was a good fit because I just couldn't agree more on the, the point guard piece.
0: Coach, a, you know what are... who I had? I had John Paxson. Yeah. I was going to say, it's crazy. I know everyone now is anti-John Paxton. But you remember, John Paxton used to take three charges a game from Isaiah Thomas. And they would always call a block because it was Isaiah Thomas. And, and then, Michael Jordan was going to get the call on the other end. And then
1: Pax would get all but, red-faced and scream <laughs> at the official, and I'd be like, will you
0: shut up? <laughs> no, but, but tell me you wouldn't have loved John. Do you think Trey Young goes off? On John Paxton last night, no way, no way. And John Paxton can shoot. If they left him open, he'd have been five for five from three. You just got. So right. I, I was thinking John Paxton.
1: Pax would be fine. I mean, when I when I go into that corner, and then I got to consider Pax, Hodge, BJ.
2: You're doing Hodge and BJ because those are your boys. Uh, those you are know my, those, you love them.
1: Those are my guys. Like I, I probably, I'd probably take B but to what you, what the bulls really need like pure grit can i go back to the 80s and and can i can i can i ratchet up my guy elston turner
0: who uh <laughs>
2: Who could not, you think, you think if you could pick one player for the last, like 25 years as a role player to help this team, you're leading off with an Elston Turner.
1: I just want to get him on the podcast. E.T. was <laughs> special, man. That dude came in and guarded and, the, and he had a great uh, old Chicago stadium scoreboard where he had the E.T. finger and the basketball would touch the finger and then it would go right in off the, right in off the backboard. E.T. E.T. Whenever he made a shot, he shot like thirty-two percent. I loved
0: ET. Let me give. An- I don't understand how you're not a coach, Carm. If you're <laughs> watching defense in the '80s, you should have been a coach. Who was watching defense in the '80s? I, Who remembers when they were 14 years old? A guy coming in to play defense.
1: I remember sitting. We used to. We used to sneak. <laughs> into second row center court seats i don't know if you remember the old chicago stadium the hockey boards were you they they had a red uh the what am i trying to say here the bench was supported by this like red uh whatever backboard thing so you could i could look in my seats section c row h on the aisle eighteen and nineteen aisle three, and I could and I could see it's open. Like I'd see this like red patch. Those two seats, these people never came. So I would always sneak down there. I'd bring my old my old dad who would join me in the in the sneak, and we'd go at halftime, and then we'd move in and we'd sit down. And somehow these people must have always thought we just showed up at halftime, or they just knew we were sneaking in more likely. And I remember sitting there, and Sleepy Floyd was working his ass off guarding. Uh, guarding Michael and he had and Jordan had a hit pointer in a game and these guys were like I mean it was unbelievable how hard they would fight through screens and get up and body him and I so I appreciated defense like you'd you'd see that stuff up close they they, (laughs) that was the weirdest turn ever but that like I just like these guys were like they came on the court to try to guard you that's what they were going to do and if the if it didn't work out and you, you they would he'd be like smacking the floor with his head because Jordan was driving him so nuts. But he I mean he would get up on him and make it tough. And Elson Turner was one of those guys, they need somebody to get up. That's why I'm saying Arch. Arch will get up on you. Absolutely. He'll he will get in your in your he will give you no space, so you are just incredibly annoyed. It was one of the reasons why like I just appreciated Matthew's stupid ass Dell of Adova when he was a cab. I mean, I, I'm going I oh, that guy. I freaking hate uh, him. I hated him. I, I hated I need him. You need that. You need it. And I, I would go. Oh, it. I agree. I went into the locker room to interview Del of and I wanted to punch him in the face. Do you ever think what you're doing is like, just not correct for basketball? Like I, I asked him terrible questions cause I wanted to like make him feel bad. I, I hated that guy, but, but you win with Car- them. Car- yes.
0: Karma Car- has given me like a picture of him as a kid. Like, he obviously loved Duke slapping the floors. He couldn't shoot. <laughs> and he, and he, and he wanted. I, he it, wanted to take charges. It's
1: it's but it's, was, it, it's it's not even true because like I was the absolute opposite. Like I never wanted to play D. Just give me the ball. I want to go to the hoop. I feel like I could score on anyone. But but I but like I'm going against those guys. Like if you if I'm playing if I if we're going old school back in the day if I'm playing pickup hoop at the multiplex and somebody who can't pl- or whatever at the University of Iowa and some kid who can't play at all but somehow thinks he can and is willing to just like body me and and, and foul you every time you drive I want to punch him in the face but he's a pain in the ass to go against and I wasn't strong enough so that sucked <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: But those guys, listen. They the Bulls need, they need some of that. That's one of the reasons why. Like, who would you rather have, Vooch or Noah? Like, I'll take Gimme Joakim every single day of the week, and I know that that Vooch fits better in the NBA today. But if we if we if we take away like the last couple of years of how the NBA's playing, I would take Noah a zillion times over Vooch, and that's no real disrespect for Vooch. But you win with guys like that. You got to have
0: them. Yeah, I agree. Hundred percent. Those Bulls teams were awesome to watch.
1: I mean, give me give me a give me Taj over the top and just gritty grimy. Give me, you know, greatest. Who's the who's the best center of the Bulls that are an artist? Would you rather have Vooch or anyone else? anybody anybody take Cartwright over Vooch? Noah over Vooch? Beto, I need you to weigh in on this. you got to be scratching your head. I mean, no,
2: a Joe would be the one that you would think about. I mean, not Cartwright, no. (laughs) But, I I mean, I agree in general. Just looking at, I know everyone loves scoring and, you know, high pace, and it's kind of the direction the games have moved. And, I, you know, I like that too. But at the end of the day, you look at the teams that have won championships over the last, even decade, even in the modern era, none of them, all of them have that, like dog level, even those Warriors teams, like they were underrated defensively. I Draymond Green, the effort was there. Those Miami teams, it was impossible to score on them. And then when they, they turned you over, it was an automatic two on the other end. The Spurs, obviously. So the Lakers, even last year, were built on D. The Raptors were a good defensive team a couple of years back. So while you know, you like to adapt to the modern game, like you still have to have that level of rim protection and, and grit and defense that a lot of people I don't want to say frown upon nowadays, but maybe take it for granted. It goes back to it goes
0: back to the tougher team wins. We saw that in the national championship game. Gonzaga and Baylor are two great, great teams. But Baylor has tougher guys. And on this night, those tougher guys won. And Gonzaga wasn't ready for that level of toughness on that night. That doesn't mean that on another night they wouldn't have been. But on this night, they were not ready for Mark Vidal. They were not ready for Flo Thamba and Shawi Chua and Davion Mitchell and Butler. All those guys are tough. Mm Mm-hmm. And those other guys are really good players, but they hadn't faced a group of guys that were that tough. And it's the same thing that the Bulls, that's that's where the disappointment to me was more on the veterans than on Markman and Kobe White. I mean, Markman and Kobe White were horrible, but that's not their fault that Billy Donovan left them in too long, per, you know, as like what Beto said. But those veterans didn't show up with that kind of grit and toughness on a day where Zach Levine wowed everybody. And and I felt bad for Zach. This
1: the fact that you were able to go down the Baylor roster off the top of your head, I'm assuming you don't have it in front of you, is one of the more impressive things in DeWindy City podcast history just for the I I that was that, that was his
2: championship pick. He's gotta know his squad. That was he was right on.
1: Right. But that was that was rubber hitting the road. I didn't just pick this team. I know this team. That was fantastic. All right. Since you brought up the Levine and since we're at fifty minutes in this podcast, let's do what you put on your text, Coach A memorable Bulls game we intended in honor of the memorable first half by Zach Levine. Does this mean we have to pick a game that they they lost or it just be any memorable game?
0: Any memorable game.
1: Okay. Y'all want to go or am I going to go with my off the beaten path weird selection? Because I'm not going to. T- weird. I because I, I, I'm not gonna, like the the best sporting event I've ever been to was game two, game six, 1992. Bulls come back from 15, beat the Blazers, win it at home, dance on the scoreboard. Nothing will ever top that. I might start crying thinking about it. But I want to go something more off the board. Um, I, honestly, I I I can't go that far off the board. I'll I'll just go here, game three, 1990. The last year that we lost to the Pistons, lost to them in seven. They had lost the first two games of the series. Jordan, in game two, literally stopped shooting the basketballs like, you motherfuckers do something. I'm not going to bail you out. I think he finished with 15. I'll look it up when you guys are talking just to confirm it. And and he did not speak to the media for four days. There was a huge break in between games. And, you know, they had lost to him. 4-1. 4-1. They lost 4-2. Now they're down 2-0. The Jordan rules are out there. So this whole concept that the Pistons could stop Jordan was really bothering me. And they go down 11 at the half. So they're staring at a sweep. They're never going to beat Detroit. Jordan's never going to win a championship. My life is basically ruined. And he comes, he comes out in the second half and is just off the charts himself and scores 47 they win the game and I remember you know getting in my dad's car after the game and and of course you would always put on the great Chet Kopic for the post game show and I I literally reclined the seat back and said I I can't listen I'm too exhausted like I was emotionally spent from the experience it was (laughs) I I was (laughs) it had taken everything out of me and then they won Game Four, and they won Game Six, and Hodges shot the lights out, and I thought they were going to win the damn series. Although, actually, everybody was standing there. I remember standing there with my brothers after the game, like I think they're going to win Game Seven. I'm like I don't think they are, and of course, Pippen got the migraine, and they lost. But that that Game Three, I might have to go watch it again once we finish recording this podcast. That's that's my that's my
0: most memorable. Where are you at, Beto?
2: Um, I can't top that story. That was, that was in depth and great. I haven't, I feel like I haven't gone to a lot of great Bulls games that actually stand out. But I, I remember my, I think my, the best, like in game, it wasn't a great game and this is going to be like, what, this is your favorite. But I went to game two in the first round of the playoffs against the Wizards in 05. And it was the first time that they'd been in the playoffs since, uh, since 98, since Dynasty, and Nocioni was going off. It was a lot of energy. People were excited that the team was kind of back. So I, take I drove no up from this college team, the to go, and uh, it was kind of that Gennaro Pargo-Gilbert Arena series. So that, <laughs> that kind of stands out. But I think my best, and this is a little corny, but my best experience was literally a preseason game in 96. Um, as a young kid, I would never seen – the goat play before in person, you know, how hard it was to to get tickets and my parents surprised me and brought me to the United center to see the bulls in preseason action. I got to see Michael Jordan play for the first time and that won't be the top basketball experience I'll probably ever have. And it was an exhibition game because it was, it was so cool.
1: That's good parenting right there. God bless them. Yeah. They told me they were taking me
2: to Jordan's place. And I'm thinking the restaurant, you know, what used to be on LaSalle. Yep. Of course, not yeah. the not the one in Michigan, but the <laughs> one right there. So well, I thought we were going there, and then they pulled up to the UC, and there we were. Oh, that was a cool experience. It's amazing. The old Bigsby's,
0: the Bigsby's and that's Crothers, we, baby. That's where we used to. used to take all our recruits at Loyola University. Splashed out at the Bigsby's and eat in the Jordan Room. Spl- right,
1: <laughs> nice. Splashed out a twenty-three no. ounce steak. Jordan was five for sixteen. By the way, in that game, too. he had twenty. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> And the Bulls, yeah, were they got a two for eight performance from Stacy King in that game? <laughs> I yeah, you
0: have to go after Stacy. I guess I, you know I, I'm supposed to be mad at everybody. So there's our mad. Stacey. Will Will Purdue was zero for two.
1: Out.
0: Yeah, there, there we go. Cartwright was no, three for eight. Every, <laughs> no, I could be mad at everyone involved with Friday night.
1: Where are you going here, Coach? Really hey, I can't it. wait to hear it's what true. game you're going to pull out.
0: You, you know, you know what's sad is. I definitely saw a bunch of Michael Jordan games, but I don't have a memorable Michael Jordan game that I could think of. I couldn't think of any game I specifically went to that Jordan played. I was at the game that Tony Kukoc hit the shot where Scottie Pippen sat out.
1: Wow. I was, I was,
0: yep. I remember having no idea that Scottie Pippen didn't go in. It wasn't something as a fan, when you're in the stands that you recognize, right? And after the game, then you found out that Scottie Pippen, what he did. But in the game, it was just like pure elation that Kukoch hit the shot. So that was a cool moment. But I would tell you the game I I remember well was the uh, Joakim Noah dunk on Boston game. where He did the full. That that (laughs) was without a doubt. For me, the loudest, most insane I can ever remember the United Center was after that dunk.
1: That was game six, right?
2: Yes. That brought it to seven. That was, ex- you're talking about that, being exhausted, Carm. I remember watching that game and being physically exhausted that, after that, that game.
1: That was the Ben Gordon game, right? He went nuts. I was doing, I was doing, yeah, I was doing O-T, yes. Right? I, I was doing play by play in a tape recorder in the press box, and I was just going, I was losing my mind. I was screaming out, "Ben, Ben, 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 Ben Gordon!" <laughs> it was amazing. I, you know, I don't remember
0: that. I don't remember that much of the game. I really just remember that dunk and how insane the United Center felt after that dunk.
1: Oh my God, that was so much fun! That was
2: awesome.
0: I.
1: It's such a fun highlight to watch. Watch back to. Noah with the long hair, coast to coast. Joakim Noah, if they, we do we have the—just retire 13. The dude's number belongs to hang. The guy's the spirit of the franchise, basically. Everything embodied in what a bull should be, that that dude is. Frickin' love him. Um, all right, we should say goodbye. This was fun. And lengthy, and 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 my Sunday's off to a great start. So th- thank you both. I feel so much joy at this nine eighteen in the morning moment as I'm about to edit in all sorts of Bulls game three. Uh,
2: <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna text you in three hours. and You're gonna be in, in box scores from yeah. like a Will Purdue from
4: 1990. Yeah. Chicago Stadium is packed and ready to rock. And good afternoon again, everyone. I'm Dick Stockton, and this capacity crowd is waiting with anticipation to see how the Chicago Bulls will react from two embarrassing losses to the Detroit Pistons. But more important, Michael Jordan was out of character when he criticized his teammates, kicked a chair in the dressing room, and then left without talking the media, and like the late Greta Garbo, just wanted to be left alone. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. This is Jordan at one and one now. Robin won't give an inch. Detroit. It may be Rodman. And Lane Beer gets his
2: six fouls against Lane Beer. One.
4: Jordan lost the ball for a second, but now the clock is running down. Three. Jordan for three. Michael Jordan, but fans in the street in Chicago have their opinion. I felt the last game we were kind of dis, uh, disunified and we didn't do anything together. In this game we unified ourselves and certainly played very
1: united.